once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C-Squared. Now on our podcast, we interview musicians and other industry professionals to give you an inside look on how to take your music to the next level. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the C-Squared podcast with Corey and Curtis. Today, we are here with Tom Jordan of 20-Watt Tombstone. He's joining us. He's got a lot of information. He's been in the uh, music industry for quite a while, so he's going to be dropping some valuable knowledge bombs on y'all. But first, I just want to say thank you for joining us today, Tom. We're happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. Stoked to be here. Yeah, so for uh, people who may not be aware of 20 Watt Tombstone or who you are or what you're about, do you want to give them just like the nutshell version of, of your history and your background, like, like walnut size, not like coconut sized? <laughs> um, sure. I used to have a regular job and play music on the side. And uh, one day I got in a big fight with my boss and quit my job and I just decided at that point that I was gonna try to play music for a living. And it was tough, it was real tough for a while. Um, it's, I mean, it's still tough. It's it's not an easy job uh, by any means, but um, since that day, uh, roughly 75% to 100% of my income, given, you know, every year is different. Um, that, that's been, you know, the majority of my income. Nice, nice. Curtis, I know you have a follow, you have your follow-up face on. I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. Um, can, can you kind of go, because we talked about this on the live a couple of weeks ago, are you <coughs> once again willing to kind of go over um, what, what kind of income you make on a yearly basis so people have an idea that you're not like, you know, a hundred thousand million, what's a hundred thousand there or, <laughs> or how much? Like, yeah. Um, I mean, this job is something you're, you're never going to get rich doing. I mean, um, you know, the, the days of Van Halen and uh, Metallica are, are kind of past. I mean, um, you know, and those guys do what they do and they do it awesome. But, you know, it's just not it's just not realistic for bands to expect that kind of fame right now. I don't think, um, you know, even the bigger bands I know that are really killing it. Um, are making nowhere near what those guys are. It's just, it's a rough time to do this for money. Um, for me personally, um, my income's kind of all over the place. It really depends on the year. Depends on how many shows we play. The more we tour, obviously, the, the better my income is. Um, best income I ever had was probably in 2018. We did 203 shows that year. Yep. And, you know, I mean, we make... A decent amount but we also sink a bunch of that back into the business so i would say i mean i don't have exact numbers in front of me but uh i would say in 2018 we probably sunk about 15 grand into the business mm -hmm. and i probably made uh a little over double of that probably so it's not something you're gonna you know, get rich on it's feast or famine, like any, you know, any small business, like I have, I'll have a week where, you know, I'll make, I'll make 1400 bucks in a week. Yeah. And then I'll have a week where I go 
you know, barely making it into the positive, you know, so it, it's like some, some weeks will be really strong and you'll be like, oh, this is awesome. You know, I'm ahead. But then you have two weeks after that or, you know, on tour, you'll have one week that's really killer. And then the next week, like nobody shows up and it's just it's all over the place. It's really hard to say, but I'm definitely not getting rich doing this. Um, I could pay my bills. Um, I've learned to live really in a, in a kind of simple way. Um, like I just I, I don't really live extravagantly. I, I buy what I need and that's pretty much it. Yeah. So. Yeah, it sounds like my business actually you, you, you go up and you got nothing for weeks, then you go up, you got nothing for weeks, like that. So I, I totally get it. Um, before you guys, I get since, well, this is a, I have a follow-up question for both of you, actually, since in this industry, it is, you know, like this, instead of <laughs> having like a steady income, how do you advise people budget for that kind of a situation? I have one. Like, I want that's, that's something that not a lot of people have ever been a part of like that kind of an income stream because usually people have a paycheck and they know it's coming every week or every month or whatever so how do you advise people budget for the the famine weeks i mean it's it's one of those things where <laughs> i have kind of a i have not like and and this goes back to something else that i think is really important i think it's important for bands to find their value. I think, I think that it's important to know that you need to do other things other than just play music really well. Um, you know, the work ethic tends to play into that. So I have a budget, a sort of budget based off of what I think our value is to clubs, to, you know, anybody we work with. And um, what I've done to build that value is do things like personally communicate with clubs, personally communicate with, you know, whoever we're working with and let them know exactly what they're, what they're going to get. Cause like it, as an, well, for, for reference this past week, uh, I dealt with a club owner and uh, he wanted, he wanted us to play indoors. And I said, well, we're not really doing indoor shows right now, but if you have an outdoor thing, we would probably do that over the summer. And he's like, well, what do you need for money? So I shot him a price and uh, he was like, well, that's really expensive. And so what I did is I broke it down and said, hey, um, these are the numbers I need to meet in order to make my bills. Like I explained that I'm, you know, I don't have a day job. This is, this is what I do. And I just had nine months off from COVID pretty much, almost yep. a year. Um, so, you know, it kind of changed my budget a little bit. <clears throat> the other thing is, Mitch is now working in a factory. Um, so before we both could play whenever, all day, every day. Uh, so now we're limited to just Saturdays till he quits that job. So I'm forced to think on a different budget plan based off of one day, which makes me have to ask for more money. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I guess what I'm saying here is you have to know what your value is, a realistic number for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and then budget off of that. Like, you know, it, it, bands who have day jobs and whatever, it's gonna be different. Like it's different for everybody. But uh, I think it's important to sit down, write it out and come up with what, what your cost is to play a show. You know, you have to do that for every show. And then you have to figure in things like, 
does the club have PA? Does the club serve food? Do they do, you know, a cover? Those sort of things should play into the price that you shoot these clubs. And then, um, you know, take those base numbers that you have of, well, this is what I need to make weekly, um, you know, to keep this business afloat. And the, the problem that I have with a lot of bands is that they don't see that they have value. And one thing I tell everybody is I don't care if you have one fan or you have a thousand, you have some sort of value. If you bring one person to a club and there's a $15 cover, you're worth 15 bucks. Yep. If you bring a hundred people there, you know, you, you have whatever ticket sales are, that, that's your value for that show. So like these bands that are bringing in, you know, 50 to 60 people and getting paid 30 bucks for it need to step their game up and say, hey, okay, we're counting these people every time we're doing the math. This is what we have in gas. This is what we have in food. This is what we have in, you know, expenses for whatever. And we're bringing in this many people and they need to be realistic about it, obviously. But I think a lot of bands underestimate their value to a venue or to anything. And that's where your budget needs to come from is some sort of sense of value. This is what I'm worth on a weekly basis flat and then add expenses and whatever to that. So that's the short version, I guess. <laughs> no, it's super valuable information because I agree. Most bands don't, recognize their worth to a venue or or they they undervalue themselves because they feel like they need to suffer first if that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah yep. yeah i agree curtis has his follow-up face on so i know he's got a follow-up well not really because i mean he kind of covered he kind of covered what the next what the next part of uh that is but i guess we'd go on to the next part, which is what kind of knowledge do you feel like you needed to have prior to being a full-time musician? Mm -hmm. Oh man, <laughs> how much time you got? This one. Yeah, I, uh, that's a tough question. Cause I mean, there's so much to learn and I feel like I am still learning. I, you know, I feel like there's so much to learn and like, I wish I would have known a lot of this stuff when I was younger. So that's one reason I try to like help younger bands a little bit is because I just don't want to see them have to struggle the way that I did. But I mean, the big thing is determining your value, yep. you know, which I already kind of covered. I think that every band needs to, uh, you know, do that and then do the work to create some value, yep. you know, <clears throat> and social media plays into that work ethic plays into that. Um, you know, and one thing I've always said, and I think this is probably the best advice I can give anybody is if you don't care about other people's shit, they won't care about yours. Yep. Like the best way to get people to give a shit is to give a shit about what they're doing. So like your buddy's band, go to their shows, you know, share their material, you know, give them props when they make a good record, like that sort of thing. Like, you know, it, it just goes a long way. Uh, being a good person, you know, and my band's not the greatest, like we're not the most talented, but we work really hard and we try to be nice to everybody. And, uh, you know, I have, a, I have a pretty good reputation, not because of my band, but because of how I treat people, you know, and I think that has uh, played into what we do. So my big advice would be 
lose the ego, work hard, and, uh, you know, just be nice and care about what other people are doing. You know, talk to people and, you know, be the nicest guy they know because they won't forget you then. It's easy to forget assholes. Yep. <laughs> or worse, but, uh, you remember them. Yep. Yep. In a bad way, yeah. Yeah, I've that's what I mean. Because even if even if an asshole changes in the future, you're always going to remember that first first impression, that first moment. So mm-hmm. it goes back to my one yeah. rule: don't be a dick, people. Just don't do it. Yeah. Um, one thing no. we got to one one thing too though. Uh, next thing though, that kind of leads us into the next one, which is about red flags, Tom. So um, first first red flag we want to talk to you about is PR red flags. Like, what type of red flag? <laughs> bands be looking for when they're looking to hire a PR person I mean my 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 rule with hiring anybody or or copying anybody or doing anything is uh you know listen to the doers not the talkers you know and I've said this to you before like Mm -hmm. you know if if somebody's preaching about oh I'll give you social media numbers or oh I'll give you this I'll give you that go look at what they're doing. It's not hard to check these people out. Like, you know, like you, for instance, like when I started talking to you, I went and looked at your friends list to see who we had mutuals. And we had like, I don't know, 60 or 70 at the time. And that was way back. And uh, I shot some people messages and they were like, dude's awesome. You know, I, I Googled you. I looked at a bunch of, you know, different resources like and you you had the work out there like it it definitely was visible so you know i i think with pr especially there's so many people trying to take money from bands and the other big thing i've noticed is like be very cautious of anybody who wants all their money up front doesn't matter if it's booking pr or anything else pr i do that i want to point that out i want to point out i know i was just gonna say you're (laughs) the exception but like, if you can't, if you can't find any evidence of anything and the person wants money yeah. up front, I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm saying you should be skeptical, but like there's, there's several, <clears throat> there's several things uh, that kind of set off red flags for me. And that's one of them, like, but that's usually coupled with other things. Like if it's somebody who I can't find anything about and they want money up front or, um, you know, you can't, you can't find anybody that knows them, you know, it's just like, also another big one for me, and I know you're not a big website guy. I'm not, (laughs) but if, if somebody doesn't have any kind of web presence, like if they don't have, you know, a Facebook page with, you know, a decent amount of traffic or anything like that, um, you know, people who work tend to have some sort of trail to follow. I mean, that's just how this business is. Yep. You know, it's uh, it's fairly easy to find out if somebody's full of shit or not. <clears throat> and a, a good example of that, um, I won't say who the band is, but a band asked me for help a couple of years ago. And they're like, this booking agency, they really want to book us. Like, you know, this guy's from another country. And I'm like, if you're trying to get U.S. dates, you should really have a U.S. agent. If you're trying to get overseas dates, you should have an overseas agent. Like that's generally how it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was red flag number one for me 
And then I did a little bit of research. Guy had no website, no Facebook, no Instagram, no nothing. Or this guy did not exist on the internet. Yeah. And he claimed he was going to get him like, you know, this is a brand new band too, by the way. Didn't have a record, didn't have a single tour ever booked. Uh, had no music that you could listen to. Now, you know, as well as I do, most people in the industry are not going to work with somebody you can't listen to. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of like, as much as I love you guys, like nobody's going to believe in you this much unless there's something goofy. So the other red flag was he was a booking agent who wanted all of his money up front. And that is not how booking works. Booking wait, is usually. Wait, wait, wait. Let me make sure I got this straight. The band had no music, and the and the, the booking agent wanted all the money. Okay, okay, just make a chart of track of here. Okay, this is good. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, it 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 sounds fishy, right? Like, it, I mean, it's just weird. And yeah. every booking agent I've ever worked with, and I've I've booked festivals, I've booked for a venue, I've booked for my own band, I've booked thousands of shows in my lifetime. I've literally only seen one agent once ever ask for money up front from a gig, hmm. and. Uh, Otherwise, they want a percentage because mm -hmm. if you do well, they want to make more money. So yep. that said to me that this guy wasn't really concerned with how well they did because he knew they weren't going to do well being a new band and he was just trying to make money. Mm -hmm. So I tried to kind of not be an asshole about it, but tell this band that I thought, you know, I was happy for him that they were excited about the opportunity, but um, it just, it reeked. It was, it was a mess. And uh, as luck would have it, um, they had some issues and, uh, you know, it didn't really go all that well. But, you know, sometimes you, I guess you got to learn the hard way, you know, when you're young. But, but still, it's like, you know, for me, red flags like, you know, no media presence whatsoever. Nobody knows who the, who the person is, um, you know, coupled with things like wanting money up front. Um, you know, that sort of thing, just kind of, th those are all things that people should be looking at together. Um, you know, that's just my two cents. Yeah, and that's definitely a thread that we've been hearing throughout the podcast from other people too, especially on the getting money up front thing, with the exception of Curtis, or people with like a, a proven track record, I mean there's a lot of PRs out there that I mean their track record is is huge so it makes sense but a newbie I mean mm -hmm. it can go either way but so one of the things that we've all all touched on is like the over promising <clears throat> that certain people do how should the uh I can do this for you be worded to where people can differentiate the bullshit from the Yes, this is what I can actually do for me or do for you. Good question. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's a good question. And that's I'm glad you brought that up because that's actually pretty important. Um, I've seen some PR guys that are like promising, like Rolling Stone and all this stuff. And Curtis knows like you can't promise anything unless it's a band you've worked with 30 times. And even that, uh, even that I can't. Yeah, I mean, there's just no guarantees. I mean, the, the possibility that you can pay for PR and get absolutely nothing is there every time. You know, it's, um, you know, we, we've worked with a number of PR guys. And the reason we stick with Curtis is because he, he's no bullshit. He, you know, he, uh, he didn't really try to sell me. He didn't really try to be like, oh, I can do this. I can do that. There was no big, 
me, me, me talk, which I like. And uh, he delivered big time, you know, and the other guys I've dealt with, um, give or take, we had a couple that were good, but Curtis is definitely the best so far. Um, I think you, know, you have a fangirl, Curtis. I, I'm, get, I'm getting my, I'm getting my head cropped. <laughs> It already is. Well, he's gonna float away from this big I, head oh, you're giving him. Thanks, Tom. He's good at what he does. I recommend him to everybody. We've had such bad, bad, you know, PR situations in the past. Like we had a guy we hired for a tour, and um, and he got us in like a bunch of really weird stuff. Oh, <laughs> like man. he got us in like all death metal stuff, and like everybody just hated us. Like all, all the publications that did stuff. Were we're like these guys suck it's old dead rock if you like caius you you know these guys are right up your alley grab your stroller and grab your headphones like stuff like that like every single one he got us was like that and then uh we've had a couple that didn't deliver anything um you know it's just like it's it's such a hard it's a hard thing to sell people on really because most bands want guarantees they want like oh well you know you're gonna get me x amount of whatever press and it's like as a pr guy like you don't you you just can't make that guarantee because you know a you have to pitch it and people have to like it then b the band has to actually like follow up and answer emails which i'm sure curtis you dealt with and I've i mean not all, not all bands are that good at communication you know and, uh, you know, so there's a lot of steps with it and it, it just boils down to a band really being eager to spend money and invest in their future and then do the follow-ups required for it. So it's, uh, it's not just something you can pay somebody to do and then just sit back, you know, you, you got to do your part, but, yep. uh, yeah, I think, I think, uh, I don't know. I think PR is really important. You know, I've, I've always, we've always been a band that has, like, since we started touring, we've always done some kind of PR to push the tour, you know, in some way, shape or form. Because if, I mean, you can have all the fans in the world, but if nobody knows you're going to be there, what good, what good is it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, yep. So just for clarification's sake, should you, should people be focusing I guess on what people are going to do method wise rather than results wise. So a PR saying I'm going to send X amount of, you know, press releases or Y amount of press kits or whatever, focusing on the method that they're going to be enacting versus, oh, I'm gonna get you into Rolling Stone without telling you how. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think everybody has a different method. Like literally every PR guy I've ever worked with has had a completely different method. Um, you know, and whatever works for them works for them. I, I think it's one of those things where if the guy checks out, if he's got, you know, people who say he's good, you just sort of have to trust it and be like, whatever this guy's method is, I'm going to trust it this one time and see what happens. And, uh, you know, if, the proof is in the pudding, I guess, you know, it's like, if, uh, if they come through in a big way, you know, they're the, they're the guy, you know, I think, I think the only way to really, to really do that effectively is like the first time you work with somebody, don't spend a ton, 
just to see if it's a fit because being in a band and investing your money in your future it's it's like anything else you got to try stuff you know and see what works and what doesn't because i mean even a good pr guy might not work for you you know it might not be a good fit just because of the way and the contacts you know the kind of people they deal with and that sort of thing and uh so i i think it's important to kind of test the waters a little bit and be like look let's do a small campaign let's see how this goes and if it doesn't go well then you know you you try something else yeah and that's i, I agree with you on that not all not like you can have a publicist that might be good but it just doesn't work out for whatever reason they don't get the results that someone else i've had that where it's been like a big name has worked with the band they didn't get what they wanted they went with me and i got 10 times the results because it was a different approach like you said right and it doesn't mean that the person's a ripoff either if that happens i want to point out yeah. um so for the last thing we want to go over it's management red flags so can you go over a few of the red flags that you know you're, you do have a manager still right now right no you don't no. but you have right what's that you have had management before right uh not in this band my okay, old band we did have but so management red flags can you go over some management red flags um i don't think bands should use a manager until they can afford to i i think uh Anything that a manager can do in the early days, you can probably do for yourself. It's later on, um, you know, it's just like any company. I mean, you know, when you start making big bucks, hire people, hire yep. people to help you. But when you're starting out, like, you know, I see bands that aren't even touring with managers and it's like, dude, come on. Like, you yep. don't need one. Yep. You know, like the, uh, I, I've had bands <laughs> ask me to manage them and I'm like, dude, I'll teach you what you should be doing, but you should do this yourself. Because the thing is, hiring a real manager who is a real manager, I mean, like, not a buddy, not, you know, whatever, hiring somebody that actually knows what they're doing uh, is tough, you know, and, you know, it, like with Corey's situation, it's, it's awesome, because she's working with a band overseas, which I think is great, because bands like that, need some sort of rep representation in a country they're selling. So having a manager who's based, you know, in the States when you're overseas, that makes perfect sense, you know, because mm -hmm. they're not physically here. Mm -hmm. So in her situation, I think it's fantastic. I think what she's doing is awesome. Um, but I think a lot of, you know, smaller bands um, having it is just kind of, it, it's a waste of, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of, of money in some cases. And, uh, you know, it's stuff for beginners that you could totally do yourself, you know, and honestly, it's one more person to get communication crossed and have whatever. Um, and it's another opinion that maybe won't be in line with what, you know, you're doing. So like with my old band, um, we had we were on a label and we had a, a manager through the label and it was an absolute nightmare like it, it was horrible i i got yelled at every day about every little thing i was doing uh the album art wasn't cool we had to change it the mix on the record wasn't cool we had to change it 
um, the record was taking too long to record and, and master and all this other stuff. And it was, it was all a lot of stuff that was kind of out of my hands and I couldn't really do anything about, but I still got yelled at every day. And it just got to the point where it was so stressful that, you know, I wanted out of that deal, like super bad. And, uh, it ended up going South in a, in a really bad way because, uh, they were just so hard to work with, but, you know, I had to make a lot of changes to what that band was based on what they wanted. And as a result, it kind of soured that band for me. Like we did a reunion show about a year and a half ago. And I just, I didn't want to play that music. I didn't want anything to do with it. It just, it just ruined it. So I think management later on makes sense when you can afford to when you can afford to pay for it, when you can afford to have somebody real in your corner. Um, but again, you know, in a management situation, I don't think you should pay up front, you know, yeah. unless it's, you know, unless it's huge. If it's, you know, <laughs> if, if Blasco comes up to you and is like, yeah, for 200 bucks right now, I'll, I'll manage you. You should absolutely pay that. <laughs> you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that. I want to. <laughs> No, because he he's the same yeah. same as me. I don't make money unless my band is making money. Yeah. I mean, none of us managers who are not, you know, unscrupulous individuals never charge up front. So that's that's how it should be. You know, mm -hmm. it should be like it, it. I always look at everything in the music business. Uh, well, not everything, but most of it, you know, can be commission based and work for everybody, you know? When we have a merch guy on the road, our merch guy gets uh, a third of the show money at the end of the tour. And then on top of that, uh, per night, they get a 15% cut of merch <coughs> up right. to like 300 bucks. And then at 300 bucks for the night, then they get 20%. And at $600, they get 25%. So they have incentive to sell more. And I think those kind of incentives work well with, with everything because they make people work harder, you know? Yeah. So if there's the possibility to make more money when, you know, your band makes more money, I think everybody has a desire to work harder. Mm -hmm. I agree on that. Um, Corey, do you got any follow-up on management before we wrap up? No, I think that uh, that covered some good things that, I mean, we haven't quite touched on from this perspective yet, but Definitely bands should wait until they're to the point where they can't handle what they're doing anymore by themselves before getting yep. anybody and definitely don't pay for a manager up front unless it's mm -hmm. somebody ridiculous. Yep. But yeah. if it's just a, a rando off the internet, like what I was, um, <laughs> um, then no, it should all come after because a manager's job, their job is results. A PR's job is completely different from a manager's job. Our job is to get results. Your job is to send out campaigns and hustle. So Hope different things, with... different pay structures. Yeah. Um, one of the, one one last thing I, I just want to want to say, uh, Tom, um, can you say where people should follow you on social media? Actually, before I say the last thing, um, yeah, we're on all the the usual stuff. We're on Instagram and Facebook and um twitter all that stuff 20 watt tombstone follow us on there 
cool. Uh, one one last comment I wanted to make though, just 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 out of curiosity, Tom, like those bands that are looking for management uh, who don't need it yet. Um, personally, I think that they they would probably be better off getting like some sort of training in business or even consulting it, it before doing that. Would you agree with that? Because I think that's what a lot of bands actually need is they need someone to go like, you know, here's some advice, do it versus mm -hmm. manager. You know what I'm saying? Would you agree with that or no? I agree. I think um, I think there's something to be said for learning business and marketing, and especially marketing through social media. I think it's important that bands understand, though, that a lot of the books out there that are geared towards you know business, um, not all of it is not all of it is put in play well with music like you're gonna you're gonna have to learn business but then you're gonna have to adapt it to music to a degree so you just can't take all of it verbatim for how it's said you know it all applies but you have to you have to kind of use common sense and tailor it to your style yeah cool okay uh Corey, you got anything else for tom before we end off no i think i'm good cool well party on Corey. Party on Curtis, party on Tom. Thanks for having me, guys. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your platform of choice. You can also join the conversation by following us on any social media and suggesting guests or topics you'd like to learn more about. Thanks for listening to C-Squared. <laughs>